Penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. That bond is behind the controls today, and uh, we'll have some fun as usual. We have an open line to begin uh, things today, then a conversation with uh, Jim Dye of the News Gazette. Jim was here last week with uh, the two uh, judges, but he'll be here by himself today, so he'll have more more of an opportunity to express... <laughs> Now, we asked Jim to come by every uh, couple of weeks to talk about some of the uh, stories he has written, the editorials, uh, the uh, feature uh, crime-type stories. He even did a book review over the weekend. So he's always uh, fun to have. And then uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with, uh, at 9 o'clock, with Champaign Police Chief Anthony Cobb. A couple of... uh, couple of things we want to talk to him about, maybe maybe more than a couple. But uh, we've got all these uh, auto burglaries in the uh, in the Champaign-Urbana area now, and uh, the it's just kind of a Liz Brunson uh, who's had two cars belonging to her and her husband part of the 1.7 vehicle burglaries that have happened each day in Champaign during the first seven months of the year. It's an epidemic, Brunson said, who confessed to being careless and leaving her car unlocked. So did her husband. But the cars were in their own driveway on a quiet street, little traffic in South Champaign. This was during the day. And uh, so on. So the numbers are up. The police are looking for several suspects in the uh, July uh, robberies. And anyway, we'll talk to the chief about that tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And then we'll be on the money the second hour tomorrow. Then on Wednesday at uh, 10, uh, Julia Reitz, the Champaign County State's Attorney, will be my guest. And at uh, 10 o'clock on Thursday, Van Dukeman, the president and uh, CEO of Busey. So those are some of the guests. We'll have plenty of time for open line and uh, for you. In fact, we start out that way this this morning. 356-9397 is our phone number. 351-5357 is the Castle Heating and the Cooling text line. So there's two ways uh, to get on the program. And we invite you to jump right on any time you'd like to be on. Question, comment, whatever you'd like. In the news this morning, internationally, uh, Korea 
North Korea, vows thousands-fold revenge in response to the United Nations uh, sanctions. Rosenstein and Christie temper their reports of Mueller's grand jury in the uh, Russia probe. The Department of Justice fires back at Chicago's sanctuary city lawsuit threat. And the cause of the Ohio State Fair malfunction was caused by excessive corrosion, according to the Dutch manufacturer. And the Northwestern professor set for hearing in California regarding the fatal Chicago stabbing. Governor Rauner says, My school's plan will prevail. Education board analysts will support him, he says. A common ground, you might remember, pulled out of a leasing plan in downtown Champaign, but a, another developer is ready to move ahead with a proposal that has been tweaked a little bit for the northeast corner of a downtown Champaign. And we've got several other stories. I will give you the headlines in a moment, but uh, Tiny is first up this morning. Hello, Tiny. Morning, Jim. Um, I want to uh, criticize you. Is that all right? You always do, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, I like this program. I love it. And who in the world does a better job of paying for your thoughts than Jim Turpin? Okay, go on. That, that'd be enough for today, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've told you that before. Okay, go ahead. I, I don't lie about stuff. I'm not better than you. You do, a, you do a great job. Okay, go ahead. But why are you constantly having guests on and taking up Penny for Your Thoughts time? Hmm. Well, your- I can tell you that we try to have a blend of the the both of them. There are important things and there are important people uh, with important stories that we think uh, need to be told, and they think so uh, too. They're happy to uh, to come on, and it's not as often as you think. And, and if you listen closely, you'll find that there are several days where we have open lines, which is what you're talking about, where I will go 30, 45 minutes and not get a single call. Isn't that right, Ed? And uh, we, you know, that isn't very good radio. I don't want to do a monologue here in the mornings. And so I think, uh, well, we'll do an hour of open line. We'll have an hour of guests. That should please uh, most people. I feel like that uh, we used to have people call in quite often. You continue to uh, take up the time. I don't, I don't take any pleasure in this, Jim. Uh, if I had another way of contacting you, me and you would talk. I take no pleasure in this. Uh, I like you. I like your program. I'm just wanting to get more penny for your thoughts. And I think, my opinion, is that you have put on so many guests that people that I talk to, and I, I've got a small group. I don't, I'm, I'm not telling you I'm talking to 100 people. They, they don't care for the guests. They like the penny for your thoughts. And uh, I, I, you talk about your ratings. I think if you change the name of your program, you wouldn't have the rating you got. Penny for your thoughts is what gets the people to you. 
Okay, I, I appreciate it, uh, Tiny, very much. And uh, I always uh, like uh, people to give me their input with regard to uh, how they feel about the program. I will tell you that uh, Saturday night I was at the Virginia Theater, and uh, we watched the show, and I had had guests on that show, guests that you don't like. Well. And uh, there were, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, they really appreciate the uh, the publicity that I give for these uh, local high school kids and uh, and younger sometimes. I didn't say young... anything about that. Well, that's those are guests. Well, let's let the kids get on. But I, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm not going to name names. I named names once before. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. Okay. There's people that come on that, uh, that, that well. I, I want Penny for your thoughts, Jim. Okay, you thank do you. a good job. Thank you. Thank you, Tiny. And uh, Rob is next. Hello, Rob. Please don't change a thing. I love it just the way it is. You got a great mix. I am not. I don't have any plans to change it. Uh, <laughs> thank Tiny, you. Tiny has told me it. that uh, that same story several times, and he's. Uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't mind getting. A, I. I don't consider it criticism. I consider it a commentary on the, the program and the, yeah it's his opinion sure his opinion and he, my opinion uh, is you got yeah. it just perfect don't change a thing okay that's my plan rob thank you <laughs> thank you well today for example we have a guest jim die jim die is uh, somebody that uh, comments uh, primarily on local happenings what's uh, what's going on in our community i would think that uh, people would be interest in that i know they are from what they say and what the ratings show and uh, etc and i don't want to spend all morning uh defending uh the way i uh, program the show because it's programmed uh, in the same way for uh years and years now and that's the way it's going to be until somebody tells me uh somebody that uh has some authority to do that uh, tells me it's uh, wrong, and then we'll have a big argument because I think this is uh, this has worked for uh, a lot of years now. And uh, having the uh, having the young people on, I, now Tiny said he wasn't talking about them, but that's a great joy for me. And I think it's it makes this uh, radio station a lot of friends. I think these uh, the parents and the grandparents and the friends of uh, these young people that come on. Uh, where else do they get to uh, to come and uh, sing and dance and have fun when they're when they're very uh, most of them very young? It's uh, nine fifteen. We uh, go to uh, Terry. Hello, Terry. Good morning, Jim. This is Terry Dudley. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Uh, very nice, uh, nice morning. A little brisk, but uh, why not? Well, I. Uh... I'm calling to, uh, um, well, I'm going to vehemently disagree with Tiny. Um, I think your program and your format and the things that you provide to our community are definitely an asset. Um, I enjoy people calling in, but I also enjoy the uh, guests that you have. Uh, They're generally entertaining. They provide us information about the city and what's going on, the community. Um, obviously, you know, uh, 
with my wife's uh, activity with uh, youth theater and having uh, those uh, opportunities for them to come on and be with you are certainly important and they enjoy that a great deal as you just said so um i think um i think tiny's off base on this one well uh one thing i would like to add to what uh, what he said and what you said is that uh it can be a combination of both in fact i like it when it is when i have a guest on and people call in you know you don't have to call in and talk to me you can call in at any time and talk to anybody that's on the air from a from a guest standpoint, you know what I mean, and and I think that's why a lot of them come on. They want to have that interaction with uh, with the community and the uh, the folks that uh, they serve or represent. Yeah, I've had uh, some tell me they're you know they're they're just wait for phone calls and uh, they they feel disappointed when they don't get some reaction. They think uh, nobody cares what they're doing or whatever, you know. And uh, sometimes they call, sometimes they don't. So, well, frankly, I you know, I mean, folks like Jim Dye and and Julia Reitz and some of those where they're only on for an hour, I'd like to have them on for two hours. But uh, I, I think the mix that you present uh, certainly offers the community a, a very very positive. Well, thank you, Terry. Appreciate the call, sir. Yep. And we we'll go to Joe. Hello, Joe. Good morning. I have uh, just a couple thoughts. Uh, do you really think, as a listener and a person that calls in or people that call in, really make any difference, or is it just to be a sounding board for the community? Um, because sometimes you just call in and think that it's just somebody listening and agreeing or disagreeing, and then nothing really changes from the caller or the community getting involved like is anybody really listening Two, the thing is it's been a big issue is health care and i wonder when the ceo from either health alliance or carl would get on because you kind of wonder with this 30 percent increase that health alliance is applying for uh to the exchange you just wonder if carl and health alliance is connected and um what the relationship is there as Health Alliance is really going to be the only choice in this community. Well, they're, 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 uh, they, they're connected all right. Are they? Jim, okay. Jim, Leonard, uh, Jim Leonard is basically uh, the uh, running of both organizations. Yeah, and, and you just look at the two, you look at the premiums on some of the individual, uh, it's, it's getting out of hand. And, and you wonder how Health Alliance, um, you know, what's the justification and how, how profitable are they really? Do they need the 30% increase in premiums for next year? And so and then if people do call in, does it really make a difference or does it, is it just a sounding board? Well, it's, uh, it's a, I, I hope uh, they make some difference. It's certainly a sounding board. It's much like uh, calling your state legislator and telling him what you think uh, about a certain bill and whether it, you, he should go up or down on the vote. And does that make any difference? Well, I, I would hope it would, but do you know? I, I don't know. They, they, you know, they, it's the legislator that has to make the decision. By the yeah. way, uh, 
Health Alliance is not the only one doing that. Blue Cross Blue Shield is doing it. Uh, insurance companies all over the country are uh, not only raising the rates on those those exchanges, but they're some of them are bailing out completely. Edna's bailing out completely. They're just not going to do it. Well, well, the problem is Carl won't t- take Blue Cross Blue Shield. And so then if Carl doesn't take it because it's a contract, and, and the problem is that the premiums, you got to look at the hospitals. They're choosing not to take certain carriers because they won't take Blue Cross Blue Shield. So then you're just stuck with Health Alliance. You have no other choice. And then they can raise it to whatever they want. They basically cornered you into no choice, and they can charge you. So when Carl doesn't take Blue Cross Blue Shield, you have no other choice but Health Alliance. I don't think that is is that accurate that they don't take blue cross blue shield the hospital has an independent contract you could research it and you'll find that carl hospital you have a clinic and hospital one of them will not take blue cross blue shield so now you're not you're stuck just with health alliance and no other choice because they won't take the carrier they won't take the insurance company that's the real problem countrywide is these hospitals can pick and choose who they want to take because their scheduled payment isn't what they think they should get paid, so they choose not to have an agreement with the insurance company. That's the issue. Yeah, well, well, I'm going to do some checking on that. I appreciate uh, your call. Uh, Let's see. uh, Jim, who decides what you talk about on the air as far as those who email you? Is it you, Ed, or someone else? I have a certain couple questions many times, and it never gets discussed. That's uh, Mike in uh, Champaign. Uh, Mike, I I know you uh, are you frequently uh, send us uh, text messages or or emails, and I don't think I have ever failed to read one of them on the air as a potential uh, uh, question for that. Uh, you know, we can't uh, drop what we're doing and go to all of them because we get uh, several every day, which is obviously what we want. But uh, keep sending us uh, emails. Uh, you send some very interesting questions, and we uh, we like that. Richard is next. Hello, Richard. Good morning, Jim. Uh, this is sort of a, a critique of the show, something that from time to time has irritated me, and that is that you only allow a caller to place one call per day. And oftentimes, uh, and and most of the guys that call in and the women that call in are people who have very strong opinions about particular topics. And sometimes a a caller will call in after I've made my point, and they will disagree and maybe even make a false statement regarding it. And I would love the opportunity to rebut it. Say, Jim, uh, they twisted what I said or something. And oftentimes... Uh, and then, and then uh, Richard, what will happen? They will call back in and say, no, I didn't say that. And well, uh, right. first thing I, you know, you have got a dialogue going between two of the listeners with other people wanting to get on the air. Well, you kind of have that when you have the three amigos, three different opinions about a number of things, one from the news uh, media and the other from the judiciary. And uh, I, I really enjoy their banner. In fact, you get very few calls, it seems like, when they call or when they're on the, on the program. A lot of it is inter- interaction between the 
history of them, and you and you get involved too. But uh, they're like I said, they're just times when I'll make a, a comment, and somebody afterwards uh, misconstrues what I said or or distorts it, and I'd like to be able to rebut it. But well, I understand. Call, I call back, call back the next day, and do so. <laughs> That's the best I can do. We we. I'm sure you understand that uh, this. If we get uh, two people, let's say two guys, they have uh, different opinions about uh, something, which they frequently do. To let each one of them uh, call back and answer the other one multiple times uh, just isn't going to work. Brian is next. Hi, Brian. Hey there. How you doing, Jim? I'm good. What's up, Brian? Uh, well, the not the previous caller, but the one before that talking about Carl and Blue Cross and stuff. <clears throat> I, I worked there for about 17 years. Uh, got let go a couple of years ago. But if I remember, it's no longer Carl Hospital and Carl Clinic. Because about four or five years ago, there was a new federal law passed where they couldn't do that. So it's now just one Carl. It's just Carl. And uh, if I remember, I, we were taking Blue Cross and Blue Shield as payments, too, So uh, you know, as carriers. So unless they changed something, which is possible... Uh, I remember right, we were taking Blue Cross, Blue Shield. But it would be worth researching. I, that's what I would do if I were you guys, research that, vet that out and make sure. Yeah, all we got to do is call them and ask them. Yep, that would be the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Well, I better uh, take a break here. We haven't taken one uh, yet, have we, Ed? Uh, this is break number one here at 926. We'll... Let's see, what do we got? 70 degrees as we take this break and come right back and take more of your calls. And we'll take uh, one more call before the uh, news. This is uh, Doug. Hello, Doug. Good morning, Jim. How are you today? I am good. What's going on, Doug? Well, I thought I would weigh in on the uh, Blue Cross um, Carroll situation. I'm a federal retiree plus working additionally in Champaign, and I had Blue uh, Health Alliance for 15 years and didn't seem to have any problem with getting service anyplace, but when they turned around and dropped all federal employees, retirees, military in the state, effective uh, December 31st, I got put into Blue Cross Blue Shield Basic, and it was like a real pleasant surprise because Premium was like one quarter of what I'd been paying Carl. And the, um, I and the same uh, same benefits. Same benefits, and the uh, copay is even less than what I was paying with with Health Alliance. The only problem I've had is I've needed to change my primary care physicians because uh, the doctors at Carl Muhammad do not accept Blue Cross Blue Shield, but the hospital does, the foundation does, uh, physical therapy, uh, labs like that, and I've even had a, a surgical procedure that was covered under Blue Cross Blue Shield that cost me $30, where Health Alliance, two years ago, I had the same procedure, and with Health Alliance, it was $190. Okay, thank you, Doug. I need a break here for the news headlines at 9.31 with Brian Barnhart. Back with more of your calls and more open line here on Penny after that. We're back on Penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. We're at 356 
Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 3515357. And uh, Mark is next. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Jim. I just wanted to uh, mention something about uh, Carl. Uh, previous caller said they no longer got separate fillings, but I still do. Uh, and I like my doctor at Carl. We, we, the family does, but they're, uh, sometimes their billing procedures are a little frustrating because I get one bill and I pay for it and insurance covers part of it, and it's for the Carl Foundation Hospital. And then for the same event, I get another bill for Carl Clinic, and it's sometimes it can be a little frustrating. Yeah, that's uh, one's the doctors and one's the uh, hospital. And I remember when they first started doing that, it it almost seemed like I was getting double billed <laughs> because you have to pay a deductible for both, you know, the uh, for both bills. So it, it it does get a little frustrating. But again, I I like the service we get from the the hospital, and it's been good for my family, my family doctors. Well, we're uh, we're blessed in this uh, this community. Uh, that's for sure. With regard to uh, to Carl and uh, the other hospitals, and the the fact that we don't have to drive a hundred miles. Now, a lot of people, you know, they they still go to Chicago or go to Mayo or someplace like that. But uh, we've got one of the uh, one of the uh, top hospital. Uh, situations uh, here in in our own community. It's it's really uh, really quite nice. Hey, appreciate it, uh, Mark. Uh, thank you, sir. Let's go to uh, Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Uh, I hate to pile in on this Carl Clinic thing, but yeah, I, I used to be I used to go to uh, Carl for treatment when I had Health Alliance. But when I switched employers uh, and got Blue Cross Blue Shield, what I found was that uh, they'd accept payments from Blue Cross Blue Shield, but then they'd turn around and bill me for balances. Uh, and I finally got set up after about a year of that, and we switched to Christie Clinic because of it. Uh, balance? What do you mean balances? This is well, they, they'd, t- they'd accept what Blue Cross Blue Shield would pay, but then they'd send me a bill and say that uh, they didn't accept uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield's payment as payment in full, and I had to pay the balance. Well, you often get uh, you get bills that said uh, here here's how much it costs, here's here's what the insurance company uh, pays, and uh, here's uh, here's the balance. Uh, I mean, I get those all the all the time. They're all sometimes the, the balance is zero, which is good, but sometimes it's not. Well, I, I I never had that happen when I when I was with Health Alliance, and and when I called about it, they said they would not accept uh, what Blue Cross Blue Shield was paying. Uh, is payment in full, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what we thought was going to happen. Okay, I understand. Thank you. Well, uh, let's uh, move on, shall we? Kevin Anderson's uh, great run at the City Open in Washington uh, yesterday. Former Illini lost in the finals to a 20-year-old. His name is Alexander Zereff. He is uh, he's going to be one of the great stars, if you didn't already in uh, tenants, 6464 was 
one service break in each set. Along the way, Anderson had defeated the top seed in the tournament, as well as America's highly regarded uh, Jack Sock. Jay Cutler signed a, a one-year, $10 million contract to quarterback at the uh, Miami Dolphins, for the Miami Dolphins. Now, you don't have to, you know, you can say what you want to about Cutler, but he's smart enough to know that if he continued to uh, broadcast and not play, he might make something less than $10 million next year. Quite a bit less. This guy is smarter than you think. One year, $10 million. So what if it doesn't work out? Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said today that the U.S. administration has not decided how to respond to Russia's recent expulsion of uh, hundreds of American diplomats, but plans to give a response by September the 1st. And I wanted to mention uh, that uh, theater fans uh, were still uh, buzzing over the weekend over the success of the Champaign-Urbana Theater Company's successful run of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat played uh, four days at the uh, Virginia Theater, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday matinee, and more than 2,800 people came to it. 2,800, more than that. 2,800 plus, let's call it. Enjoy the company's uh, four-day run. And uh, many people, including myself, uh, thought it was uh, the best production uh, that CUCT has put on. They've had some good ones, but thought this was the best one since uh, Les Miserables. Congratulations to, uh, to all, and we're pleased to have uh, helped them out by having their people on and sang some songs and interviewed them and so on and I don't know how many tickets that accounted for, but it helped, I'm sure. And there again, Tiny is another example of uh, why every hour of this program is not a an open line. Now, when they were on, you can call and, and talk to them and ask them questions if you would like. Mike is next. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good. What's up, Mike? Uh, I was watching the uh, World Championships last night in the Women's Marathon. Okay. And an American woman finished third, and they said that was only the second time since 1983 that an American woman had finished in the top three. The yeah. first time was in 1983, and do you have any idea who it was? 1983. Uh, yes, sir. Was that a, a local girl? Yes. Yes, uh... Now, you're going to make me think of her name. It's, uh, well, at least I know who it is, but I can't think of her name. Yes, local. Mary Ann Dickerson from Dickerson, there you go. Yep. Uh, I, he mentioned that, and I thought that was pretty neat to mention it over the air like that. So. Oh, he did mention it. Uh, good. I, I'm always yelling at the TV people. Say, Come on, don't you know this is a former Illini or this is a, somebody that lives in Champaign-Urbana or whatever? <laughs> they never, They never do. But, well, he well, uh, did this time. So anyway, anyway, I thought it was pretty neat. So I was uh, watching, uh, so, and I'm not the world's biggest soccer fan, but I uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching at least a portion of the uh, European uh, uh, title uh, uh, game. Uh, when was it? Saturday night, maybe? Uh-huh. It, it was, no, it wasn't Saturday, uh, Friday night. 
It was uh, Denmark played the Netherlands. <laughs> Those are not exactly two of the uh, of the uh, power, um, you know, countries for uh, women's soccer. And it's usually Germany or someone like that. But it was a very, in fact, there were two goals scored in about the first minute of the uh, contest, which in soccer is almost unbelievable to to, to have a score any time early. But anyway, it was fun. And uh, who won? Uh, the uh, the Netherlands won. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for that to call. I'm um, I'm I'm glad you told me about that. I didn't see that any place where I would have mentioned it myself. Uh, but uh, Dickerson was eighty. Uh, what did you say? Nineteen eighty-three. I looked it looked it up to make sure he was correct, and he was correct. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you checked on him. <laughs> yeah, she finished second that year. Oh, well, she was a great, great, great distance runner. There's no question about that. Yes, he was. Yeah, oh, by the it. way, Jim, I like Thanks the program much. the way it is. Too, well, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you that. Bye bye. Nine forty-five, seventy degrees at the radio center. We take a quick break. He's coming right back. This is Penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. Phone lines open at three five six nine three nine seven. Castle heating and the cooling text line is three five one five three five seven. Bill says I watch uh, videos on YouTube. One of my favorite uh, vlogs is a. Young man in Texas. He had just found out that he has a brain tumor. His wife called his insurance company and was told to call a different number. She called that number and was told to call the previous number. No results and so far no insurance. If you buy your own insurance for anything, do your research. Good Good thinking, Bill. Exactly right. Plenty of them out there. Check them out. And don't rely on the classroom. Parents, it's up to you to talk budgets and boundaries. If your child is going to college, now's the time to have that money talk. Busey suggests covering these Topics with your student. Credit. Show your child your credit report. Explain how their behavior with credit cards will impact their financial future. Two, banking. Open an account in their name at your bank, making transfers easier. You can even set up an overdraft protection. Three, fraud protection. Explain the importance of keeping private information private. Five, budgeting. Show your child how to create a budget. Six, college debt. Kids need to understand the magnitude of the expense of going to college. With mobile and online services from Busey, students can manage their finances whenever they want wherever they are. Busey's banking tools include Busey Mobile App, Busey Text, Busey eBank, Busey Bill Payment. Busey understands the demands of back-to-school. Simply simplify, I should say, your finances with their 
mobile and online services and educational resources. Visit Busey Bank, Busey.com is one way, or you can call 1-800-67-BUSEY, or you can stop by one of their many convenient locations today. And uh, the big story internationally today is uh, North Korea. North Korea vowing what they call thousands-fold revenge. That must mean a lot of revenge or big revenge in response to the United Nations sanctions. North Korea vowed today to strike the U.S. with thousands-fold revenge after the United Nations imposed new sanctions in response to a recent intercontinental ballistic missile launch from the rogue regime. The dictatorship's official KCNA news agency described the recent sanctions as crimes that were a violent violation of our sovereignty and a plot to isolate and stifle stifle the communist community. North Korea, which consistently threatens to send gift packages to the U.S., vowed to take righteous actions that would make America pay thousands of times. This fiery response from the nation came in the face of the sanctions, and as Secretary of State Rex Tillerson demanded, the rogue nation halt its missile tests so the U.S. and North Korea could start negotiations. Tillerson made the comments at a regional security meeting in Manila, and offered his most specific outline to to date of what preconditions the U.S. has with talks with North Korea. He said stopping the launches would be a first and strongest signal. He added uh, the caveat that it would not be as simple as the hermit kingdom simply stopping launches for a few days or weeks, saying that he would not give a concrete time frame, but the U.S. will know it when we see it. The Secretary of State also praised the most recent sanctions imposed on North Korea over their recent intercontinental ballistic missile tests, saying that it leaves no doubt in anyone's mind whether there is a common view on the matter among the international community. The sanctions against the communist nation, including a ban on coal and other exports worth more than a billion dollars, is a huge bite in its total exports, valued at $3 billion a year. The comments came after the president tweeted late Sunday night that he spoke with the South Korean president and was very happy and impressed with the United Nations Security Council's 15 to nothing vote to hit Kim Jong-un's regime with tough new sanctions. So what do we got here, Ed? Is this the uh, new uh, jackpot? Would-be millionaires now have two opportunities to try for jackpots of 300-plus million. The Mega Millions jackpot is now $346 million, 
and the Powerball jackpot is $307 million. After weekend drawings for both games failed to yield a winner in either game's top prize. The next Mega Millions drawing is at uh, 10 o'clock Central Time uh, tomorrow. Powerball at uh, 9.59 p.m. on uh, Wednesday. Wow. 64,483,000,000. What, what's this chart? What, what's this got the two of them combined? Is that what it is? Can't understand that. I think that's just an old advertisement for you know an older game, and the story is that you got two three hundred million dollar games. Yeah, week. well, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, what I said, and then it showed this chart, and, and that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, just quickly to repeat, uh, the Mega Millions is three forty six, and the Powerball is three oh seven, and uh, nobody got either one of them over the weekend. So here we go. You buy your tickets yet? No, but after reading that, maybe I'll go get one of each. <laughs> I guess we didn't uh, win anything at the Prairie Bean, did we? I don't think so. I was waiting for the phone call. I know what that... Uh, I think that must have turned out well. It was a beautiful night down there for, yeah, that's for the a, concert. That's uh, the same night that uh, we went to see Joseph, Saturday night. And... Uh, Downtown Champaign was buzzing. Friday as well. Well, what else is uh, in the news? We'll uh, get to some of these items maybe with uh, uh, Jim Dye. i got plenty of things to talk to Jim about, some of the things that he has written. And uh, I've been uh, kind of keeping my eye on this Ohio State uh, Fair disaster because there's so many state fairs and local fairs around these days. And this was uh, tragic. A man was killed. The amusement ride that uh, broke uh, apart at the Ohio State Fair last month, killing a man, was due to its excessive corrosion. That's what the investigators concluded yesterday. The fireball, an 18-year-old fairground ride, created by a Dutch manufacturer, KMG, broke mid-ride at the Ohio State Fair in Columbus on July 26th. In addition to the death of a Marine recruit, seven other people were hurt. And let's see what else says here. In a response from the company, product manager Albert Kroon said the investigation into the incident determined that the ride malfunctioned from excessive corrosion on the interior of the gondola support beam, which dangerously reduced the beam's wall thickness over the years. This finally led to the catastrophic failure of the ride during the operation. The fireball ride's passenger carrying gondola, detached from the supporting sweep arm of the ride, also known as the KMG Afterburner, according to Kroon. 
And uh, the Ohio State uh, Highway Department identified Tyler Jarrell, 18, as a sole person who died during the accident. Jarrell had recently enlisted in the Marines, was scheduled to attend a basic training camp in June of 2018. Seven others were injured when the fireballs gondola detached from the rest of the ride. Ohio Governor John Kasich ordered all rides at the state fair be shut down until inspections of all fair rides were completed. Our first hour is up. The news is next. Then Jim Dye from the News Gazette. Give him a call, Tiny, here on DWS. Welcome back to our number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin, and uh, Jim Dye, the opinions editor of the News Gazette, joins me uh, every uh, couple of weeks. And he was uh, on the show last week with the two judges, and I said earlier, Jim, today is uh, your day. You get a chance to talk today. I'm going to I'm going to engage in a filibuster just to make <laughs> up for the last time last week. <laughs> that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, the judges are pretty lively, and uh, sometimes we get some arguments going. But we always have an interesting exchange. Go to the calls here in just a moment, but uh, I was uh, pleased to see you and your uh, bride at uh, Joseph, uh, the Virginia Theater, on uh, Saturday night, and uh, you tell me you had a good time. Well, you know, those who like musical theater and uh, didn't make it to that show really missed out because I thought it was just tremendous. I was blown away by the, by the talent, uh, particularly the two lead performers. I thought they were just outstanding, and the music is good. The, uh, everything about it was good, and the performers were terrific. So it was a, it was a, great, it was a, a great show. I mean, I always mm-hmm. go to the theater expecting to enjoy myself, but... I was very, very impressed. And I thought, once again, I pondered the, pondered the, the question of why don't I have any talent? <laughs> Did you come up with any conclusions? Well, I just, I just don't. <laughs> and, and they do. They got all mine. Maybe that's it. They got all my talent. But the, the people up on the stage were tremendous. I thought it was just... Well, a- I, I've, I've been in uh, several shows with the high school uh, uh, people just doing a little... Uh, things that I can do, which is basically read, Yeah, because I, uh, I always say I can't uh, sing or dance or act, but I really love show business. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, 2,800 uh, people, that's uh, pretty good, but it's an average of uh, 700 or thereabouts uh, each of the uh, four nights that they played, and uh, our congratulations to, uh, to everybody involved. Everybody, I think, made a little money on this. Uh, well, I hope they did. It was a, it was see, a nice show, and it's nice that we have this local theater company that can uh, can do that. Because if you know, as you saw the show, boy, this took a lot of preparation. There are oh, a lot of people, goodness. a lot of moving parts, and how uh, about that lighting? I mean, the the lighting is flashing when they uh, had the colors of the coat and all that uh-huh, stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just very well done. You could do the lighting thing. You just sit there and press a button. <laughs> I'd hit the wrong switch. I know I would. Let's see what uh, Don has to say uh, for Jim Dye. Hello, Don. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? We're doing great. What's up? Good. Well, I'm just curious, uh, you know, how it can be that someone can put a bomb outside a mosque and they instantly investigate whether it's a hate crime, but yet... You can shoot at Republicans across the baseball field <laughs> because they're Republicans, and it's not even mentioned. I'm just wondering if it's because that was a white guy or if Jim Dye ever uh, 
if he can recall any hate crimes filed that were against any any white people. And uh, a question I have, can a citizen sue the city of Urbana for uh, not following federal law? And uh, I'm curious if anybody else is out there is mad about uh, Urbana still trying to do the sanctuary city, even though it's illegal. You know, I suspect on the latter question, uh, I'm just guessing off the top of my head that uh, an individual citizen would lack standing to file the lawsuit, probably dismiss, be dismissed on that uh, grounds. But uh, there certainly is uh, leeway for litigation, both on both sides, for the federal government to sue the city of Urbana for... Right, one, to, could, one couldn't file a lawsuit on the basis of an endangerment of the family? Well, I think you'd have a hard time proving proving uh, legal stand that you have the standing to sue. I mean, you can file anything you want. Uh, the question is, would you prevail? So, uh, right. who whose job is it to hold them accountable for not following federal law? Well, I suppose the voters could when they go to the polls, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that's an, an issue for an individual uh, to pursue on his own. You'd have to find someone who was. Uh, affected in some way uh, by the by the city's failure uh, to do what you suggest the federal law says he should do. It's just a very could complicated the, legal question. Right? Could the city council make an uh, I guess an amendment or something to so that they do follow federal law? Well, of course. I mean, the city council is the policy making body of the city of Urbana, and uh, they could. They could probably do whatever they want. Is I I don't know if the mayor would have veto power, but the council can override a veto. So sure, the city is the policy making. City council well, members and the mayor are the policy makers for the city of Urbana. And right. uh, I believe the city council did vote on continuance of it. So I mean, there you go, people of Urbana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With regard to the uh, first question about uh, hate crimes and that sort of thing, uh, well, you know, there wasn't much of an investigation to do in the in the case of the the, the congressman, uh, the congressional shooting, because the uh, the killer was dead. There's no criminal case to file. Uh, There's just an investigation into what his motives were, and his motives clearly were political. In terms of the mosque bombing, uh, that's an active investigation, and based on the target, one could one could conclude that there might be a possibility of uh, of a so-called hate crime or political motivation. But, you know, let me just tell you something, and a lot of people lose track of this when we start talking about hate crimes, is that these are crimes apart from whether the issue of hate is involved. This is this hate crime business is just kind of a political thing that's been thrown into these investigations that complicates prosecution because, if you're charging a hate crime, that's just one more element that you have to prove. And I don't have to prove uh, that Mr. Turpin just placed the bomb there. I have to prove why he placed the bomb there. It's easier to right. do these cases without throwing in this kind of um, this motivation, although it's very popular politically. I put the uh, bomb there because I thought Don was there. Oh, you did? Uh-oh. Well, that's not a hate crime then. Well, I don't know. Maybe not, not based on... Not based on a race, religion, ethnicity, or whatever. Just because. Um, I'm sorry. I just right. just kidding, so, Don. So, so political motivation is no grounds for hate crime. Well, I mean, it it could be. I mean, uh, you know, it's however. Well, once again, we're back to the. Certainly, it could be. But if you're talking about the case in D.C., I mean, the defendant is dead. So you're not going to prosecute a dead guy unless you really want to waste state resources. But uh, right. but. Uh, 
so that's the difference between those two cases. One is an active investigation into a crime in which you're looking for suspects, and the other thing, the suspect is dead. Hey, thank you, Don. We appreciate the call. We're at uh, 356-9397. Uh, you can send us a text at uh, 351-5357. It's uh, 1018, 72 degrees here at the Radio Center. We take a quick break. Coming right back with the Jim Dye. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin with uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. Well, tomorrow I'm going to have the police chief uh, from the city of Champaign, Anthony Cobb. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is auto burglaries. Uh, two, two stories in the News Gazette this, this morning, and one about uh, crime stoppers and, and uh, all that kind of thing with regard to uh, theft and then uh, as auto burglaries increase officers use data to guide policing is Mary Shank's uh, story I haven't uh, read all that uh, yet but anyway we'll talk to him and uh, find out what he has to say the I know several people including Elizabeth Brunson who's a friend of ours that uh, she had two cars are broken into in her own driveway during the daytime wow that's pretty and, pretty uh, bold one uh, there was one uh, night where over in the uh, west southwest part of uh, Champaign where the number is thirty or thirty one or something like that of cars broken into in the same night. Well, I guess I didn't realize that there was uh, all these valuables were <laughs> being kept in people's cars. Maybe mm-hmm. I should uh, try to. Uh, uh, well, extend my income a little bit by trying that. <laughs> some of these people don't uh, ever lock their car, and yeah. uh, some of them don't lock the car, and they also leave keys in the car. Well, I would not advise any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to have the the chief of police on. You just told them, right? Yeah, there you go. You know, the only thing I have in my car that anybody might be interested in, aside from a little change for parking, is a box of Kleenex. So <laughs> if you really have to blow your nose, I guess my car is the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> or listening to you on this show. You there know, you go. Yeah, People start crying. <laughs> <laughs> I love this uh, quote. This is from uh, Jason Berrickman, who said, uh, characterizing the meetings between Democrats and Republicans as the equivalent of hamsters on a wheel. Yeah, they're spinning around and not getting very far. And, of course, we're talking about the— uh, Funding? The school funding bill, SB1, which uh, the legislature passed, the Democratic legislature passed the Democrats' bill, and uh, Governor Rauner said he was going to veto it because he didn't like it and he wanted to make some changes, so he did make some amendatory vetoes, which is kind of a complicated process, but now it seems pretty clear that the legislature is not going to confirm his uh, legis- his amendatory vetoes, and so we're off to some big extended political battle, uh, and the uh, stakes of which involve... Uh, funding, state funding for schools this year. So the schools are going to open, but they're not going to be getting their state aid checks on August 10. And they're going to see how long they can go without state aid checks. And of course, that's going to push up the political temperature on resolving the issue. And that's what's, what's disappointing about this is that Democrats and Republicans, they certainly could have reached common ground on this thing a long time ago. I mean, the Democrats held the bill for 61 days from May 31 when they passed it till about a week or so ago when they sent it to Governor Rauner. So if they'd sent the bill to him when they passed it, uh, this issue would have been resolved. If they had uh, both sides had sat down and negotiated in good faith, this issue could have been resolved. So I think what we're now down to is 
Um, Speaker Madigan is going to attempt to just run right over Rahner like he did on the uh, on the budget issue, and he may get it done. He may not get it done, but there's going to be a lot of political drama in Springfield uh, during the next few weeks. And we go to the phones for uh, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello. I just had a um, quick question. You're mentioning Rauner Ra- uh, and, and Madigan. It seems like uh, there was articles, I don't know if it was in Jim's commentary, that Madigan didn't really have a lot to do with this. It was Rauner's issue, and that, that, that's kind of hard to believe. But um, Well, let me tell you want... something. On an issue this important in the legislature, Mike Madigan yes. is knee-deep in it because he's knee-deep in everything that matters in the legislature in Springfield. Nothing happens yeah, without his active support or his acquiescence. And I guess the issue was it's really one-sided to the Chicago schools compared to downstate, and, uh, and I think that was the issue with Browner. So, um, and... With all this thing, people just keep putting them back in office, so it's kind of our fault, uh, the people up there voting in. And when you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results... That's, that's the definition of insanity, thing. isn't it? And that's where we're at. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Sure, sure. It's um, the, the Speaker is already running the 2018 election. He wants a Democratic governor. He wants Ron or out. So he's determined that Rauner gets nothing that he wants, and uh, so he won't have anything to run on. And right now he's doing a very good job uh, in terms of uh, getting uh, having the legislature deny Rauner anything that he proposes. So uh, Rauner has been able to do some things administratively to, to do what he hopes it will improve the state. But in terms of any kind of uh, legislative accommodation, uh, there just has been none. Tribune has a, a big story today headlined uh, Rauner. My school plan will prevail. And the subhead says, uh, education board's analysis to support him, the governor says. When I first saw that, I didn't, I didn't read another word. It's real long. And if he thinks that uh, some education board is uh, going to get uh, this vote uh, passed for him, uh, he's sadly mistaken. I would have liked that better if he would have said, uh, I have enough members of the General Assembly that are going to support well, me. Well, he probably can't say that now because— Well, he can't. He can't because, you know, Madigan is actively looking for, for Republican votes to over— he needs, he needs four Republican votes to overturn uh, to overturn uh, Rauner's veto in the House, and he'll have one because there's a Chicago Republican named Michael McAuliffe, and he's going he's gonna to support the bill because it's— I mean, it's pro-Chicago, and so he's got to find three more Republicans that he can make a deal with, or even more if he wants to allow some of his Democratic members to vote no. So I think what Ron is saying there is that the board, State Board of Education is going to produce some information that shows that under Ronner's bill, uh, under Ronner's bill, school systems outside Cook County or Chicago uh, get more state aid because less of it is going to Chicago, and under uh, Madigan's bill, uh, they get less. And so that means Democrats outside of Chicago who vote for Madigan's bill are actually voting against their uh, home communities, and that's a tough vote. I mean, Jason Berkman said that's going to be a very difficult thing for a lot of uh, Democratic legislators to do is to explain why uh, they voted against their own school districts to provide more money to Chicago. Now, that's how the critics uh, – that's how the critics uh, – 
characterize the issue. Those who support Senate Bill 1 say, oh, no, this is fair for everybody. And I tell you, this issue is so hideously complicated that the average person is never going to understand it. I mean, the joke was that under the current school formula, which was put into law in, I think, the late 1990s, that maybe there are 20 people in the state of Illinois who actually understand it. It's just a hugely complicated thing based on all these formulas involving uh, what's your poverty level of students, how much transportation do you have to provide. There are all these factors that go into this. So what they have done is they've politicized something that is incomprehensible to the average citizen. And then, of course, when you have the spin from one side and the spin from the other side, nobody knows Nobody except a few people know <laughs> what the real mm. what the real truth is. And this is a review uh, released uh, Friday by the Civic Federation of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Concludes that uh, the changes uh, could mean the school districts across the state gradually losing money in future years. In addition, to the governor's move to take a key grant away from the Chicago public schools. Well, that has to do with issues involving whether or not. Local communities have passed um, property tax freezes, mm-hmm. so <laughs> so you know we have 102 counties, so we have 102 uh, counties that could have or may may not have uh, passed tax caps. Champaign County has tax caps, which limits the increases, and so that's another issue people can't understand, which is property taxes. <laughs> so we have we've layer of layer of layer of incomprehensible issues. And uh, one politician says one thing, another politician says another thing, and the public basically tunes it all out and says, we just want the schools to start on time. And it looks like, as uh, you mentioned, the schools will start on time, but many of them say, well, uh, we got enough for a few months. And uh, we had one uh, one gentleman up in uh, Canton says, we've uh, built reserves up here over the last uh, 10 years and I'm not about to use all my reserves for this. Well, they certainly don't want to use all their reserves. They can uh, some of these uh, de- taxing districts have uh, just have leftover revenue that they can run on. Others uh, will probably can issue tax anticipation warrants, which means they can get banks to loan them money in anticipation of of the state aid when they get it. Of course, that costs some money because they're borrowing. See, we have all these borrowing expenses in the state of Illinois just because government at so many levels is uh, is so deeply in debt. I mean, right now, Chicago is paying almost usurious interest rates just to keep floating, uh, just to keep their districts going, that there's going to cost them billions of dollars in future years. 1033, uh, Brian Barnard has the news headlines. Back with uh, Jim Dye after the news. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. Jim Turpin with uh, Jim Dye and with Anna Wall. Good morning, Anna Wall. Good morning to both of you. Before I extol the virtues of Mr. Dye, I want to know if he's a Cardinal fan. Well, I am a Cardinal fan. Absolutely. Okay, I'll go to it. This year I'm a little uh, uncomfortable with that, but uh, I keep hoping they're going to start winning some games. But then Thank they, you. <laughs> but then they, uh, they win a game and then they lose a game. So I'm trying to reconcile myself to the fact that this is not the Cardinals' year, but it hasn't what been easy. What did you see last night's game? They did a good job yesterday. They scored a yeah, whole bunch of runs. How about that? See, on Saturday, they only scored one or two runs, and they lost by one run, and then on Sunday, they scored like 15. How about the Cubs? They got 16 runs in one game and none in the second of the next game. When it rains, it pours. Yeah, the Cubs have really, since the All-Star break, they have really uh, put the afterburners on, and they're, and they're on a nice streak, although they've lost a few games recently, and their their lead, I think, is down yeah, to how one. How about the Dodgers? Right? Oh, the Dodgers, are they're just <laughs> absolutely dominating. They've won like 44 out of 51 games. That's unheard of in baseball. What's up, uh, Anna Wall? Well, actually, uh, I call not only to 
extol the virtues of my favorite reporter, who happens to be Mr. Dye, but also to talk about what a blessing this community has in, with the News Gazette and the reporters. I think it's wonderful. And the fact that Mr. Dye, I've read his articles carefully. I don't necessarily agree with all of his conclusions, but what I do like is he's completely objective and presents all sides to give the uh, reader an opportunity to, to arrive at a, uh, the right conclusions. And I think that that's primarily what I wanted to say, not only that to extol his virtues, but the fact that we have a news gazette which keeps us informed and the people who have to work and don't get a chance to read Penny, uh, to hear Penny for your thoughts, can read the paper and become immersed in the issues of the community. Very well said. Uh, thank you, Anna Wall. Well, she, I'm not going to talk about uh, myself. I think it's kind of her to say that uh, the name, my name and the word virtues don't come up very often together. <laughs> but I will say how important it is for a community to have a newspaper uh, that is a really a newspaper. And right now, I mean, I don't know a lot of people know the newspaper industry is basically in a depression because of issues uh, related to the Internet and, and profitability and that sort of thing. And a lot of communities uh, basically have no paper because the paper they have, there's not really much to that. And much to it. I was I got a copy of a newspaper, Sunday newspaper from uh, a city, a substantial city in North Carolina recently. And it was like two sections that were paper thin and a bunch of ad inserts. Well, that's not a that's not a newspaper, but that tells you what the economics of the news industry is these days. So, you know, we're struggling to put out the best paper we can, and we'll continue to do that. And we hope that people will, whether they like our editorial positions or not, will continue to uh, follow the news because it's important to know what happens in your community. And it's also important uh, the way the uh, News Gazette and uh, and all of us here in the uh, the, the media have. Uh, uh, this has been laid out by Mergen Steve Kennego, and uh, you know we haven't been gobbled up by uh, some uh, some uh, group, uh, some you know somebody else. This is a, a local uh, paper, and if we wind up making any money, it goes to local charity. And uh, I think uh, I asked John Reed about this a couple of times. I think he said there's maybe one or two others in the country that have the, the same situation, but it's. Uh, it's unique, and it's uh, it's a good feeling, actually. Yeah, you know, um, this is a little. This story is a little bit uh, connected to what I was talking about per, uh, just a moment ago. We recently uh, hired on our sports copy desk a uh, a former reporter with the Columbia Missourian in Columbia. Excuse me, the Columbia Tribune in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, I went to the University of Missouri, and the University of Missouri puts out its own newspaper. But there is a community newspaper there called the, the Columbia Tribune, which was one of the outstanding uh, mid-sized papers in the country. I mean, it was tremendous. They, you know, they took all that talent from Mizzou, and they had people that were there for years, and they just built this wonderful local newspaper that was just first rate in every way. Well, you know, the newspaper industry has, you know, hit them just like it hit everybody else. And a couple of years ago, the Waters family that owned that paper sold it out to Gatehouse, and uh, they just took whatever money they could get from it and closed. And Gatehouse, Gatehouse came in and basically eviscerated the staff 
because they, you know, they paid for the paper. Now they want to cut costs, and because uh, they think that's the way to to profitability. Instead of giving people a paper they want to read, uh, they give paper they give people a paper thin paper, and then wonder why nobody wants to read it. Well, anyhow, this reporter uh, who's now with us, I said he was in the second round of layoffs. And there's another round after that. And so basically a really great newspaper is just being slowly uh, uh, cut to pieces just because the finances of newspapers are so bad these days. Let's go to uh, Janet. Hi, Janet. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning. morning. Um, I was, you were talking about the uh, car burglaries earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if you were aware about the website called Nextdoor that uh, neighbors can sign up for. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the car burglaries on there for at least the last two weeks, mm-hmm. and information's been shared, there's been video, and we've even had the uh, Champaign police uh, give a short report. That's one of the interesting there. things about the you can do on the Internet now is that neighborhoods can actually have their own little website, and I know that my wife gets on our neighborhood website and to see what's going on and what's in the news. And in our own neighborhood, we recently had a spate of residential burglaries. But, yeah, that's a, that's a really great thing. It allows people to uh, who wouldn't ordinarily be able to communicate directly with each other to do that, and that's a, one of the real advantages of the Internet. So I hope people are paying attention to uh, the warnings you're putting out and are taking steps to protect themselves. They seem to be doing that. That's good because uh, get those guys to move uh, move out of your neighborhood. Of course, when they do that, they'll move into somebody else's neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if they're nothing, if not resilient. That's true. Well, thank you. Sure. Uh, thank, thank you, you uh, Janet. We appreciate your call. Frank is next. Hi, Frank. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, just a FYI. Uh, I heard you a while ago talking about the burglaries took vehicles in Southwest Champaign. They, uh, was five cars broke into in the Stone Creek area last night. Okay. That's on, on Springfield Avenue, West Springfield? No, no. Or Stone that's... Creek out in Urbana. Oh, okay. All right. You know where Stone Creek Golf Course is? I do. I know which one you're talking about now. Yep. Yeah, there's some larger homes mm-hmm. out in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my um, granddaughter's husband was one of them. His car was broke into, and he said there was like a total of five. Was his car in the garage or in the driveway, or where was in, it? In the driveway, locked up. They somehow used a coat hanger or something and got past your door open. Well, that's better than breaking the window. Yeah, right. He, you know, mm-hmm. it's better than breaking it up. But These are they, the thoughtful car really, burglars. The only thing they got out of his car was um, a cell phone charger. <laughs> Well, that's yeah, no. that was one of my points about. It. I'm not sure there's much in cars to steal, but I guess if you just want anything, you'll take anything. Yeah, well, yeah. a lot of people. I, leave. I didn't know if you. I didn't know if you had heard about that one or not. No, uh, they, we had not. I appreciate uh, that yeah, call. Thank you, yeah, Frank. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty influent neighborhood. There are big homes and oh, yeah. golf course and mm-hmm. the whole bit. You know. Yep. Thanks and very much. We appreciate it. We have to take a break here at 10:48. Coming uh, right back. And uh, we're back on a penny of your thoughts. And Bill says, I think a great addition to the paper would be the subtraction of AP National News. It's old news and a lot of propaganda. Well, I guess that's an opinion some people have. But believe me, the if we didn't have the Associated Press or some other wire services to um, provide the news to us from all over the world, uh, this newspaper would really be hurting, and so would all newspapers, I mean, there may be some things that uh, you object to 
about the uh, Associated Press, but I can guarantee you that 90 plus percent of what they run, you would have no problems with because it's a it's a professional news organization. Everything right now is being colored by all this business about people picking on Trump and fake news and, and all the rest of it. But uh, that's a reflection of our current national turmoil in politically, that the fact that people are taking advantage, or they're, I should say, making allegations about the AP. And I, I certainly would not disagree with you that there are some things that they have done uh, that I think uh, fall short of uh, really objective, fair-minded journalism. But uh, the vast majority of what they do is first-rate. And uh, Bill said, tax to death. My wife and I now get to pay another $1,200 in state income tax, another 600 for the new school, schools, and now another 600 for the MTD that nobody wants. Thanks, Illinois and Champaign, for an additional $2,400. Why is it greedy uh, to want to keep my own money but not greedy to take other people's money? <laughs> Well, that is the question, isn't it? Uh, I just I, I wonder if the caller is to the point where he's thinking about leaving because a lot of people right now are leaving Illinois, and one of the reasons they're leaving Illinois is because of the total tax rate between property taxes and income taxes and every other kind of tax you can think of. A lot of people are thinking, oh, there are better places to live than Illinois, and that's why our population loss has been um, has been continuing over the last few years. Didn't want to let today go by without uh, mentioning a Jim's... Uh, Pseudo Intellectual Book Club Volume LXX. Number seventy. Seventy. You haven't written seventy of these. I have. Over a long period of time. Well, of course. But this one is about uh, the Red Sparrow by uh, Jason uh, Matthews and a little uh, espionage going on. Yeah, that's really a great spy book, and uh, Jason uh, has—he's in the middle of a trilogy. And uh, the second one is, I think, called Palace of Treason, and another one is going to be coming out like early next year, and they're making a movie of it. And, and an added point of uh, that is that Jason and I actually were classmates together at the University of Missouri, and we hung out together and and uh, had a lot of fun together. And then he went on to the CIA, and uh, and I came here, and we haven't seen each other since. But uh, he, it's actually a very well-written book, and it's a great spy tale. So. If anybody is looking with a lot of trade, real trade craft uh, in it, so that's a that's a that's a really good story. I don't review too many uh, fiction uh, pieces. Mostly, I would do is history and biography, but this is one that I thought was worth bringing to people's attention. Red uh, Sparrow is the uh, name of it, and uh, I was uh, uh, looking for Red Sparrow at the at the library, and I had to put my name on a waiting list, so I took uh, number two of the mm-hmm. trilogy, Palace of Treason, and I read. Uh, a, a portion of that, and I thought, no, I'm going to lay this down. I'll come back to this later. i got to go get Red Sparrow and read that first because, uh, you know, people can say, well, you can read all these individuals. And you can, I guess, but uh, you don't know who's alive and who's dead and That's how right. they got killed. This is a that. continuing story, so this is just the middle one. you got another one to go after that. I know. It. He hadn't written that one yet. Though, he, right? uh, hasn't published it yet. Oh, okay. I suspect he knows where he's going with the story, but... And I just uh, gave you to borrow uh, my uh, latest uh, Mike Michael Conley book. That's right. You know, I, I've got a series of uh, fiction fiction authors: uh, Michael Conley, um, Alex Berenson, uh, now Jason, uh, the guy John Sanford, and who else is there? Is there one? But anyhow, these guys all write one one or two books a year. So there's always a new one coming out. Daniel Silva is the other one. Yeah, Daniel Silva is another great great uh, spy guy james lee burke is uh, is my guy I know right you've never uh, read his i've uh, read a little stuff, bit of but, him uh, 
Uh-oh, he just turned him down. I just I just heard it in his voice. <laughs> we need to take our final break right here. We're coming right back. Well, Mr. Dye, uh, our time is up. I'll look for you in a, in a couple of weeks. Okay. You going to keep writing? Oh, well, absolutely. I got no choice. I have space to fill. <laughs> You had about three pieces in yesterday's uh, paper. I, I did, yeah. editorial book and uh, column, yeah. So that's yeah, that's usually I have two on Sundays, but I know that you was get all your extra pay. Yeah, that's right. On a WDWS in Champaign Urbana.